about to listen to the profound word of God, ministered by Ty Adeshuba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. Without a doubt, this will be a life-transforming experience as you acquaint yourself with the word of God and develop a rich and rewarding relationship with Him. This message will certainly shape your life, fulfill your dreams, and guarantee your success. message today, but I want to speak on conquering the enemy of doubt. Conquering the enemy of doubt. I want to encourage you over this month and want to deal with that. Uh, uh, let's go to the book of James in chapter 1. We're using the New King James Version for this James chapter 1 and verse 5. I'll rely on the prompts. If any of you lacks wisdom, now the question is, uh, when he talks about wisdom, why didn't he say, if any of you lack money? Because you can lose money, but if you have wisdom, you can make a life. Wisdom is important. You, 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 the, 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 the writer knew that money means nothing, a wife means nothing, a husband means nothing in the sense that you can have them and yet lack wisdom and then lose them. And so the greatest thing you can ever have, um, ever pray for, or ever believe God for, is wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom, and with all thy guesses, get understanding. It says, by wisdom, a house is built by understanding. It is established. We need wisdom in every affair of our life. The reason why many people have been depressed and things are going all over the time, uh, all over the place, is because they lack wisdom. But I don't want to talk about wisdom this more afternoon, because because if I speak about wisdom, we'll spend a long time and I will hit, hit the message. But it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's it. He says, but let them ask in what? Faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And verse 7, he says, For let not that man suppose he will receive from the Lord. And verse 8 says, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Most of the time that we get stuck in life, and in our progress and opportunity, and our opportunities sort of become stagnant or plateauing in life, it is most of the, in most of the time it is because we are controlled by our doubt. Now this morning, sorry, this afternoon, keep saying morning, uh, I'm still trying to find what time, uh, frame I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm jet lagged right now. And I'm trying to find what time I'm actually in. Uh, so this, this afternoon I want to do just an introduction into the message and then pick this up again, uh, next Sunday. Doubt, 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 if you have never experienced it before, God bless you, but you will. Everyone does. Everyone does. These doubts predominantly occur mostly when we're trying to accomplish a mission called life success. Where we are trying to fulfill ourselves in either business, academics, private life, marital life, or even in the spiritual realm. Uh, have you ever had a moment of doubt? 
Uh, has anyone ever moved in their Christian life and we started the year with this is the year of your rising and by August we're like, mm, I'm not sure this is really happening. Now let me ask you a question. When I ask, if I ask any one of you in, in, in the Bible, which significant person can you remember in the Bible that is synonymous or we can attach to that? Which name comes to your mind? Thomas, you call him what? What did you say? Gideon, uh, you're, you're very deep. <laughs> you're deep, yeah, 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 you're, you're deep. Gideon is a good example as we go along. But the, 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 the most important thing, uh, Gideon's pretty good. I, I, I've finished my message on Gideon. Uh, but most of the time, we, we come to what is called Doubting Thomas. I mean, his name wasn't even Doubting Thomas. His name is just Thomas. Uh, 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 but, but, but let me, let me, let me, let me place you in Thomas' situation and ask yourself this question. Uh, Thomas, why was Thomas so skeptical? Why was he skeptical? Why did people start calling him Doubting Thomas? You see, Thomas, didn't want to get born again. If many of us, we've been somewhere before, we've prayed, we believe, it didn't happen, and then the next time again, someone is saying, you can do this, you're like, mm, I've been born before. Are you following what I'm saying? Let's just let's, 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 let's look at Thomas' scenario, because Thomas is the only one we say doubting. Thomas wasn't the only one that ran. In the whole of his apostles, all of them fled. The Bible says they fled and they went back fishing. At least Thomas was good enough to say, eh, until I see. Now, why would Thomas say that? Uh, you see, Thomas, for three years, he had followed Jesus and he thought he was the Messiah. Listen, there were many people in those days that called themselves the Messiah. It's like in a political arena where someone now starts to do politics and comes out and says, I am the answer to the questions of this nation and all the fools who have come before me are fools. I will answer it. And then we kind of start to give a kind of message that pleases the edge of people. We're kind of like rebellious. We're not like the old politicians. And then everyone seems to follow them like, yeah, this is what we're looking for. Uh, it's kind of called, called the... the uh, what do I call it? Uh, uh, it's a new trend of, of, of politics. And, and everyone kinds of politics. Until we elect the person and the person gets in and it's like, ah, what happened? They've gone back to normal. Everything's gone back to normal. Because how they said that, it's very easy to say things until you actually get there. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, everyone before Jesus had already made a vote. Everyone before Jesus had already seen that they're the Messiah. They can deliver the Israelites from the hands of the Romans. But we know that every one of them seemed to go down the same way. But Jesus came in and Jesus had a bit of a different message. Jesus was, was, was a Messiah, but Jesus was different from every other person that came in. So we now have this guy called Thomas, who was a disciple, who Jesus for three years and was confident that Jesus is the Messiah. But listen to what happened. Was he a believer? He was a believer. But then he saw things and heard things that made him feel mm, something's not quite right. 
He saw Jesus arrested. Even though he was all powerful, he saw Jesus tortured and shouted out by the crowd and crucified. Even Jesus, even though Jesus was God and could walk on water and calm the storms, but he saw Jesus die. Even though Jesus could raise people from the dead, he died. None of this made sense to Thomas. Everything he saw contradicted his belief. He, he, he was with Jesus one day, he was hungry, and he saw him feed 5,000. This is not the same Jesus. The Jesus they saw, deified, magnified, strong, and suddenly he was whipped beyond any recognition. In fact, he so much believed that he thought Jesus was still playing, right? You're still playing. How many people have watched wrestling before? I, I, I used to before I found out I was being deceived. Uh, uh, I used to, oh, I used to watch, oh, I used to watch, I was obsessed with wrestling. Uh, I, even one time I was trying to do the eye of, uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson, the, 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 the rock. And then I would see the rock. There's one person you really like then. Saving the Stone Cold Steve Austin. So when he comes out, there's a smash, smash. So. And so when the rock meets Stone Cold. Those days I couldn't even choose which one I like. I, I, I just like him still could stone cold madness and when he don't try to do that shake his head you feel like everything's gonna happen so let's say for example stone cold Steve Austin is in the ring and they start beating him to a pulp yeah, and they start pushing him out there's just something within me that he's coming back he's coming back he's coming back until he don't lose one thing he didn't lose I'm like, no, he's coming, no, he's coming. So, Jesus is on the cross, and you're still thinking something, what, wait, 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 <laughs> he's playing with you, something is going to happen, something is going to and then, the lightning comes up, and the veil is open, and he says, I told you, I told you, but he still died. Do you know how you feel? And then they now say, but he said he will rise up again, eh, hey, yeah. And then now that he rose up again, hey, <laughs> Bob, Bob, I've been there before, <laughs> don't play with me, until I now see, and put my finger, <laughs> I can't believe, how many of us will not be in that same position? So don't call him doubting anymore. <laughs> but listen, what I need to share with us this afternoon, is that, there's a difference, between doubt and unbelief. Because many Christians have wrestled with this before. Doubt is not synonymous with unbelief in the Bible. At least not complete unbelief. The Jewish leaders who opposed Jesus were full unbelievers. John 10.26 But the man who cries out, I believe! Help my unbelief, Mark 9.24, was not a full unbeliever, but a doubter. Uh, Peter gave us a picture of doubt. 
when he walked on the waters with Jesus and began to sink. Jesus said, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Matthew 14, 31. So, Peter was a doubting believer. But he was a believer. And there's a difference. Because many people think that doubt is sin. No, unbelief is sin. Not doubt. All of us, including Moa, will always go to a place of doubt. But because I'm doubting doesn't mean I'm sinning. Oh, I just missed this song. Remember Mary, when the angels came to her and told her that she was going to have a child, she asked the angel, uh, 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 how could I have a child when I don't have a husband? She sought to answer her doubts. On the other hand, Zachariah, John the Baptist's father, he had a different answer. When the angel came to Zachariah and told him that God had answered his prayer and that he would have a son, he was full of unbelief. He said that he and his wife were old and his wife was barren. How could it be? Because of his unbelief. And you know what God did? God said, okay, you know what? I'm going to shut your mouth until the miracle of God. How I wish that happens this day and age. Where God can just shut our mouth for a while until the miracle of God. Because what we say actually kills the move of God upon our life. <laughs> like just, just, just as you open your mouth, <laughs> he just puts a surgical uh, suture uh, and just shows your mouth. And then until the miracle of God, then he gets it. Now you can say whatever you want to say. He, just, he made him shocked, he made him dumb until the son was born. So we need to understand that doubt is very different from unbelief. Now, why do I say that? Because doubt doesn't disqualify you, but unbelief does. I need to go a bit deeper the way you're looking at me. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Let me give you some examples. This, this may help you. Doubt says, I'm having a hard time believing. Unbelief says, I just refuse to believe. Thomas was just having a hard time. Doubt is honesty. Unbelief is obstinacy. I'm just honest. I just don't feel it right now. Doubt says, I know I could do this if I had the strength. Unbelief says, I will not do it. Doubt keeps searching for the light. Unbelief is content with darkness. So the children of Israel, they saw the land of Canaan, and they saw the giants in there, and they said, we're not going. Unbelief. There you now have uh, you have um, Caleb and Joshua who, although they saw the giants and although they may have doubts, they still said, against my doubts, we know God said it, let's go ahead. I'd rather die believing than die in unbelief. So they were going to, you can't say that both Caleb and Joshua were fully believing that this is possible. They thought, hang on, if God promised us, why did he plant giants in the land? Before we get there, he should have totally annihilated all of them. But they were still there. And, 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 and doubt says, 
I know I don't know what God thinks. Unbelief says, I really don't care what God thinks. Doubt is different from unbelief. Doubt is somebody who's not sure but stays there. Unbelief is someone who is sure that they will not stay there at all. I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. So the question is, Pastor, so why are you talking about doubt? Why not unbelief? Because although doubt is still present in the life of a believer, it can turn toxic. First, you've got to learn to doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. In the race of faith that Jesus has called you to, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, doubt is a weight you simply can't keep running with You've got to drop it today. So, doubt is not the complete absence of faith. It is faith laden with weights of unbelief with threatens to sink us. So, listen to me. Doubt is like weight. Can you see these weights? I told them, give me some weights. Instead of them giving me one one, they put five five here. Now, the, the, the weight of even the bar is five. So, I'm carrying like 15 each. I want you to always recognize this in your life. Doubt is like this. In the beginning of the year, God said to us, we will what? Rise. If God has told you every issue that you will have, and then say you will now rise, you won't be in church. When God said we will rise this year, I was full of faith. Everything was going until we hit some bumps along the road. We had some burials we had to do. We had some issues we had to deal with. We had some families we had to deal with. We had some uh, things that I just told God, are you sure this is the year of rising? But if God had given you the full picture, you would just say, God, I'm fine. Right? Don't worry, God. I'm just fine. I'm, just, I'm doing well right now. We have to deal with cancer. We have to deal with all this kind of stuff. But God said, we will rise above it. He just told us that the, the word prophecy must go forward and everything will follow it. Are you following what I'm saying? So in the beginning of the year, fasting and praying, BAM! We're rising. Oh, wow. I was running, running, leaping, praising the Lord for what He's done for me. He has set my spirit free. Ah, I was running. Everything was going right. And then suddenly, along the way, Mr. and Mrs. Doubtfire came in. <laughs> doubt came in. Now, doubt, when I pick it up, my faith became laden with doubt because of the circumstances. Because of the fact that Jesus, that I really thought, Jesus that I thought would deliver me, he himself needs deliverance. Jesus died on the cross. We need someone to help him. Right now, I'm going through a situation. Now, although 
without I'm still a believer, I can keep running without. And on the outside, I'm running. I'm running. But after a while, doubt becomes toxic because it will slow me down. And trust me, it is slowing me down. And after a while, you can't keep up with the same speed. And, uh uh-oh, when they tell you to lift weights, they tell you, but there's a time, and then, after a while, doubt grinds you to a halt. And why am I dealing with doubt? Because doubt will graduate into unbelief. And then you're stuck. <sighs> Come on, carry it. So going back to the metaphor of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. The question you want to ask yourself is, are you running this afternoon with the weight of doubt? Because the longer we carry these doubts weights, the stronger their power to overcome us becomes. The more we carry this, the more stronger they become over our lives. Sometimes doubt is supposed to give us strength. Hmm. But most of the time, doubt grinds us to a halt. That is why Jesus, when he was speaking to the doubters in Mark chapter 9, and he spoke to Peter, and he spoke to Thomas in the resurrection, he actually was speaking to them with a firm, gentle answer, and calling them to stop disbelieving while issuing a blinding rebuke to the Jewish leaders because they totally had unbelief. So why do I call it the enemy? Why do I call it an enemy? Because if if doubt is not unbelief, then Pastor, why are you speaking about doubt? Because if we don't deal with doubt, doubt will become unbelief. And when we, when doubt becomes unbelief, it paralyzes us. Why is doubt an enemy? Number one, doubt limits God. Do you remember that, that, that was in Jesus didn't do any miracles in that place because they didn't believe him, so he turned himself back. It limits God. God can't do anything with doubt in our hearts. Listen to me. What was the first weapon the enemy used to bring sin into the world? It was doubt. He came to Eve and he asked Eve, what did God say? Do you know the first thing that the enemy speaks to us when we're going through times is, what did God say? Why did God say that? I've children that keep asking, why? 
Why? Why? Why? When I, my son, when I ask this, when he asks the question, I take it and then he says, why? And he says, so, one of the questions he asks, so, uh, how did I come into this world? I said, your mom and I, we loved each other. Why? I'm like, uh, because we just loved each other. Okay, so why did I come? Because we wanted to have children. Uh, uh, why did you want to have children? I'm like, J J J J. am I ever going to end this? He was even good until I met my goddaughter and I was taking her out from school. I'm from the from school until we got home. It was questions why. Do you know the question she asked me? She said, why does God live in heaven? I'm like, uh, since I've been passed off for over 20 odd years, even I have never asked that question. I said, uh, God owns heaven and earth. Why does he own heaven and earth? Because he's all powerful. Why is he all powerful? Because he can do all things. And then I said, why is he all, can do all things? I said, well, our God is sovereign. Sovereign? Sovereign? She's looking at me and I'm thinking, you, I was saying to myself, stupid, you're actually talking to a child. Now she's challenging you, you've gone into another realm. I wanted to use sovereign to shut her up. She said, why is God sovereign? I said, because he knows all things. She said, oh, okay, okay, okay. But pastor, why is God in heaven and not on earth? I'm like, the earth is his footstool. Huh? For what? Also, put stool. Yeah, I think he makes the whole house. He just puts his feet on it. Like, he feet on it. like, God, please let us shut up. <laughs> and I said, okay, okay, okay. So, why is God God? I said, because he's God. Why? I'm like, sleep. Have you seen the trend? Did you see the trend? The trend is curiosity. The trend is for each answer you're giving me is creating another question. And that's why we can't live by sight, we have to live by faith. Because every single time issues question us, it's not questioning you, it's questioning the validity of your God. And sometimes we just don't have an answer. And when we don't have an answer, that's why I'm a believer. Because I don't have an answer to everything. Because if I have an answer, then I don't need God. That's what makes him God. He's God that is all-knowing, supreme, sovereign. He says he will answer some questions in your life, and sometimes he will not answer. That's why I'm God. Take it or leave it, I'm still God. And, and many of us don't understand that because the devil comes in to question God's validity. He questions God's sovereignty. And every single question the devil is asking is bringing suspicion, is bringing mistrust, is bringing distrust. See, it's kind of, you're living quite good with your husband. Yeah, whatever you are now. Um, and then, but I want to take a typical husband for that matter. Everything's going fine. Life is cool. And then some, one day, you wanted to have a girl's night out. On a chill out time. So you had a chill out. And five people came together. 
I don't want to quantify who they are. But they came together. And while they were having discussions, one lady said, I'm having problems in my marriage. You see, in the midst of one company, issues of course. And, the, and the everyone said, hey, men are this, men that, men that, men are food, men are dogs. Your father also must be a dog who gets that to you because if men are dogs, so your father and every other man is a dog. And so, which you didn't realize. And then the child that you gave birth to, who is a boy, is also not mine. Uh, and you start, you bastardize men, feminism comes out and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then, and then, and then, one of the ladies say, um, you know, if you really want to know, if he's cheating, check his phone. Check the time that he comes home. And all that. You, your God has, you're having a nice time with your husband. And then you're thinking, hmm, that might be true. Suspicion, mistrust, limitations of the move of God occurring in your home. So you now get home. One day, he now comes back from home at 5.30 in the evening. Poor man, doesn't understand what's going on. Help you take care of the children while you went on your girl's night. And then, as he walks through the door, he says, you're a bit late. With a smile on your face. He doesn't know trouble is coming. And you kind of look at the time. And he say, oh, it's 5.30. So he, I said, yeah, but you normally come home at 5. He says, yeah, but don't you remember during the day you text me to buy some hampers in Tesco's before I get home. So, while I was coming back, I went to Tesco's. Oh, yeah, that's true. But Tesco's is just 15 minutes. <laughs> and it's looking like uh, Tesco's is, what, 15 minutes. Yeah, when I got to the counter, there was only two lanes open and there were many people in front. And she says, isn't it amazing that when I get to Tesco, there's nobody on the counter. He doesn't realize that this is coming from a girl's night, suspicious stuff. And she doesn't realize that when she leaves home and tells him, I'll be back by five, she doesn't come to seven. Consistently. And each time she comes to her, ah, wait, where are you? Oh, you know, sorry, uh, I forgot to tell you. Oh, 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 oh. While I was coming home, I just decided this might be a good time to do my hair. He, he didn't ask her which salon, who is doing it, where are you right now? And consistently, it happens in my home too, consistently. <laughs> when when she leaves home, she says, I'll be back in a minute as I make it two hours. <laughs> no one's questioning it. But 30 minutes, you start to question. And suddenly, he now has the bedroom, okay. And then he leaves his phone, goes into the bedroom to, to take off his clothes or something like that. And before he comes back, you're already on the phone. And then you watch it, and then you put the phone behind your back. You see, mature. Because you started to doubt. And that doubt is producing unbelief. That's exactly what the devil did. 
The devil makes us query God in our adversity. It causes us to have reservations. And any time you have a reservation, you edge God out of the scene. What started as a doubt can quickly escalate into unbelief to limit God. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19, let's quickly do this and close. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 says, So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest, the promised land, because of the unbelief and an unwillingness to trust in God. And you know the end of the story is that the question of 30 minutes becomes the question of 10 minutes, becomes the question of are you cheating on me, becomes the question, yes, you are cheating on me. And you know one day the guy says, if you think I'm cheating on you, there's no point, I might as well go and cheat on you. Because your, own, your doubt has escalated into unbelief and has now made your marriage that was walking at a very great pace, it's now grinded it down to a halt. So also your academics, so also your spiritual life, so also everything that you want to do. When adversity comes, it is just one of the things the devil uses to edge God out of your life. Is anyone hearing what I'm saying this afternoon? Doubt never considers what God has already proven in the past. He did it for you in the past. He will do it again. God is not dead. Let me say this to you. Many people may look at us as stupid, as foolish, as like, eh, they don't know what they're doing. I know what I'm doing. I am not foolish. I'm not stupid. The God has said, if I lack wisdom, I should ask him. I may not know what to do right now. And you may have the answer. But sooner or later, when my God comes on the feet, I will have acceleration and I'll on you. It is not how fast you go. It is who you're going with. I am going with a great God. And right now, it may look like I'm throwing out, but I'm still going. And you know when I ask for wisdom, it means God may tell me, do this, do this. Put your finances in order. I'm not preaching foolishness. I'm not preaching stupidity. There are sometimes our common sense needs to come in because God gives us wisdom to deal with it. But I'm still saying to you that our God is a God who does not deal with your time. He doesn't look at your time. Your chronos does not mean anything to God. My God works in what I call a kairos moment. And I'm never going to doubt God because other people are making progress. When it's my time, it's my time. When it's your time, it's your time. And when it's your time, no matter what the devil does, God will still walk in. In fact, let me say to someone here, sometimes God is waiting for everybody to walk out of your life so he can walk back in. And when he walks back in, he's a God that comes in the very corner. He's a God that says, let Nebuchadnezzar throw you into the fire. When I come onto the scene, the fire will like look like an air-conditioned place. No matter how far anybody else has gone, stay to your own lane. Don't doubt where you're going. Because God is always on the scene. The moment you doubt, you start to limit God. Faith isn't the absence of doubt. It is following God in spite of your doubt. You should never doubt someone who has always showed up. When you doubt God, you tell him that your CV does not show that God is capable of the job. When we limit God to what is normal or what is likely, we are revealing our doubts. God does the abnormal through the normal. It's not every single time 
that God does things that are normal. Doubt limits God. And number two, doubt limits you. It limits you. Doubt is basically the feeling, or rather the non-feeling, that you don't have the tools or the strength to move on in life or to make a decision. And over an extended period, doubt becomes a debilitating poison that paralyzes us from making any commitment. It's doubt. So, we, we, we have doubt fires on two hands, and we need to make a decision. We can't go left, we can't go right, and then we say, God, what is your will? No, God has already shown you his will. You're just doubting it. And God, I, 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 I need, I need, I need, I need to, let's go to Gideon. Let's go to Brother Gideon right now. Uh, uh, I need, I need, I need a fleece. God does not do fleeces anymore. He speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. If he chooses to do it, bless God, but that's the only way he will operate in our lives. And God, God, I need, what, what are you saying? He said she's the one. Stay there. The fact that she's challenging your foolishness doesn't mean she's stopped being the one. Ah, thank you. Ah. I told you. Because everybody else, ah, everybody else that has come before her ah, has always agreed with your stupidity. Now someone is not a girlfriend but a white material. Who wants to bring life into your life? Ha! And, <laughs> and now you start to doubt. No! You're doubting the issue because God has spoken once. Twice have I heard that all power may be unto God. The fact that someone is challenging you doesn't mean that that is not the one. When I met Marasa, I went out with Marasa the first time and said to her, when you say yes, you're already married. I was going back home thinking, what on earth have I just done? I started to doubt my belief. I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know if she had two children or one. All I just knew is that, you know what, God said yes. While I was going home, I've said this so many times, and I was driving home thinking, God, I'm not, I don't feel like I've passed with you. Other girls, through this before her, uh, God, I just don't feel the ecstasy. I don't fall in love. And for the first time, God said, yes, yeah, stupid, it's time for you to grow in love than to fall in love. And without doubt, I still stepped in. And in my... Thursday, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is the, I will still have dinner this time. By Thursday, it will be 21 years of walking in that same thing. 21 years of first stepping in, I'm not sure. But I'm not a sinner because I doubt. I'm a sinner if I step out of what God has said. Make a decision. Step into it and let God see you too. Many times you are waiting. If you wait for all the atmosphere and all the kindness to be right before you show, you will not show anything. Sometimes you just step on that water. And when I step on that water, even if I doubt, Jesus will still pick me up. He won't pick you up in the boat. He will pick you up while you're walking on the water. For Mark chapter 11, 23 says, For assuredly I say to you, whosoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have what he says. 
Doubt produces procrastination. Hesitancy. Many people are not married today because of doubt. We have just disappointed you, but this is John. Doubt comes from fear. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will restrict you. Fear will prevent you. Yes, you went out with Tamikwa. But this time this is Tamikwa. Tamikwa is different from Tamikwa. It will limit you. Yes, you failed your last driving test. But that doesn't mean you can't go back again. Don't, don't shift the test. Don't shift the test place. Go back to the same test place. Because shifting the test place, you're trying to help us. Go back. Because that place where they failed is the place they will say yes. It will be somebody else who... You may now shift and go to another place and meet the same person who failed you the other time. Stop looking for the right time. If you look for the right time, you will miss the right moment. Doubt. Doubt will stop you, incapacitate you. Doubt always says to you, well, it's only human to have doubt. Yes, I have said that. But when doubt stays too long, it goes into unbelief. And unbelief will hinder us. Believing is a risky business. If you doubt you can accomplish something, you won't accomplish it. You have to have confidence in your ability and be tough enough to follow it through. And when you do that, you will know that God is on your side. Always remember, doubt will slow you down. But when you're able to drop it, you're able to move quick, able to make decisions. Yes, even if you make the wrong decisions, because I trust in God, the Bible says, I will, He will go before me and make the crooked path work straight. Follow God. He will be with you. Don't worry. It will be well. Amen. Did you get anything from me? You've been listening to Ty Adeshugba, pastor of Worship Tabernacle Church. We hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, visit us at www.worshiptabernacle.org.uk Alternatively, call us on 020-7435-3939 You can find us at the Citadel Worship Tabernacle 131 St. John's Way, N19 3RQ Archway, London Thank you for listening.